Well, tonight, tonight I show that video um, mostly because that's really what we're talking about. Last week we talked about the Abrahamic covenant, um, the covenant that every other covenant hinges on and stuff. But this week we're going into the Mosaic covenant and it is the law and how, and there are some nuances and some differences and we'll get into that. But that still rings true today. Blessed is, you know, that is just in love with God's law, his word, his precepts, and has chosen that way to live. Um, and it still matters today. And, and, and I'll sh- hopefully you'll understand why as, as we get towards the end of this. Um, but so tonight we want to go to the Mosaic Covenant. So just kind of um, where we're at and what's going on. We talked about the Abrahamic Covenant. That's the promise that God's going to build a great nation. Um, I'll be a <coughs> blessing to all people. He's going to bless Abraham. He's going to bless those who bless him. He's going to curse those who curse him and everything. And that was all that last week. And that was a covenant that God says, no matter what, I'm going to fulfill this. And it was unconditional. It's like, this is what I'm going to do. And, and out of that sprung um, the, the God's chosen people, the Israelites. Um, out of that, Jesus came. Uh, and we get to, in a couple weeks, the new covenant. And it all kind of ties it together. Um, but so since since that covenant, at the end of that, at the end of Abraham's life, towards the end of it, God told him, says, listen, there's going to be like 400 years um, where they're going to go away. And if you know kind of your Sunday school stories, if you remember those, you know, you know, Abraham had a son and then his son had many sons. Many sons. Okay, sing it. But um, um, we even saw a little bit this morning with the story of Joseph when we were sending our kids back, this idea that there was a famine. And so the Jews all kind of went into Egypt because there's a great famine and, and everything. And so 400 years later, a little more than 400 years later, is where we're at now with the Mosaic Covenant. And I want you to think about this. They started as s- around 70 people entering Egypt. Um, all, all of Joseph's brothers, the 12, you know, the 12 brothers, you know, they're all in there. There's about 70 people. And in 400 years within Egypt, it was now about any estimates between one to two million people. Um, there was a time where the Pharaoh forgot about who Joseph was. There's a, the new Pharaoh came out and didn't know Joseph. And so all these people that were there became slaves. And they became this whole conglomerate. And so you've gone from this nomadic people in Abraham's time to now where they are set in a, in, in, in a city, in an area, and they're there, and they're building um, they're building up relationships, they're building up structure, they're building up all this stuff. But the truth is, is after 400 years or so, they had really lost touch with the God of Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob. Um, they, they knew the stories, but they had been there so long. And finally, God, um, in the great story, Moses goes out, he sees a burning bush. Um, I just, curiosity, Moses goes up there, he's like, wow, what's this? And the bush starts talking to him, and it's God. He's like, listen, I've heard my people's cry. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you, and you're going to go and lead my people back to the promise that, that I made to them. And so we, we go through all that. And I think we talked about that, I think, like a year or so ago, about the plagues and everything we were going through and how like God used that to reveal his power and reveal his glory and everything. But he frees the people, and they go out there at Mount Sinai. And so now you have this group of people that have no idea that's lost touch with God, lost touch with, like, the original thing. So how do you get two million people to kind of all get in line? That's where the Mosaic Covenant comes. See, because they needed something that gave them civil, moral, and religious stability. God had his people, 
he remembered they and think about it, these people are the slaves they smell they're in the like muck pits in egypt building bricks and and stuff and 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 yet god says these are my people he never ever forgot them but now we needed to put some structure to them you know this, if you get just a gaggle of people and you've seen it at disney and you've seen it at universal when there's just a group of people and there's no structure it is chaos and so that's what's happening here. And so God has his people. He's keeping his promise to Abraham. But now that structure. And so, again, a civil, moral, and religious stability. Like, how are you going to worship me? How are you going to serve me? How are you going to be ruled? How are you going to take care of things? And God lays it all out in the Mosaic Covenant with that. And so let, let's go. There are five components with the Mosaic Covenant. And I want us to see these um, as we go over. There's five different sections of it. And so in, in, in the very beginning... Um, we have the preamble. So we turn to Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus chapter 20, you have the very first thing where God speaks to his people and says, Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. So the very first thing God is saying, Who? This is who I am. And, and he's letting people, and it's kind of funny to me because really um, it was God's idea that all the people would stand up there and hear it, and the people were afraid. Because you have this mountain, you have this cloud, there's thunderings, and lightning, they're like, Moses, you go, you go talk to God, and um, you just tell us what he said. And I think that was the issue. Israel, all the time. They always wanted someone else to go hear what God said, and, and then they would do what it says. And I think that's still a problem in our churches today. Well, Pastor, you go do it. Pastor, you, you tell us what we're supposed to do. This is why I'm always harping. Get into the word. Find out for yourself. Everything Because their history is just one of just disobedience and falling away. But, but again, right at the beginning of this covenant, God is saying, this is who I am. I'm the one who brought you out of slavery. I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one that freed you. Remember this. And so the very part, it's, it's an introduction. It's kind of a reintroduction to that. Um, the next is kind of a historical prologue. Why? So why am I making this? Turn back over just to chapter 19 real quick. And, and, and he says this, Israel and Sinai, God is speaking to him. And he says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although the whole earth is mine. And so, again, it's why. It's he's going back and says, listen, you're my people. I made a promise to Abraham that there's going to be a great nation. There's going to be a great people that come out of you, and you're it. And so this is who I am, and this is why I brought you out of Egypt. This is why I'm talking to you right now. And so that's, the, that's kind of the second little component of it. And so we get this picture. And by the way, this Mosaic Covenant, it was a very common. This covenant style, these components are very common. Um, any covenant you would look between a king and his people, a ruler and his people, would have these components. Who is the person doing it? Why? And, and then the next step is the stipulations. Here, here's, here are the boundaries inside this covenant. And stuff, and of course, right there, if you go back over to Exodus 20, you have the Ten Commandments. Um, but then if you keep going through Leviticus and, and Numbers and everything, you see all these other laws and, and all these other, like, 
you know, this is how you clean yourself, and this is how you worship, and here's how, you know, um, when he sets up the tabernacle, and he sets up the meeting place, and stuff, this is what it's going to look like, and it's going to, let me tell you, God is very, very exact, and so I have a good friend, he was reading through the Bible, and he got to, like, Leviticus, he's like, can I just skip Leviticus, oh my gosh, do I really need to know how tall the pole is, I'm like, I said, you know, what, what's amazing to me is God is very, very specific. He cares about every single detail. And if he cared about that, just think about how he cares about us and every detail of our life. But that's, there's, there's all these stipulations. God's saying, okay, here's the commands. Here's the Ten Commandments. This is, this is how you're supposed to live. And, and here's how you respond to me. And here's how you react to each other. And here's how you all come together. And, and, and it's all kind of in there and then and then all of a sudden at the end of it the next component is this blessings and cursings it's how this is going to be lived out what is this house is going to look as you're living out blessings if you follow my commands if if you do what i say if if you stay in this then this is what's going to happen you're blessed if you don't do then this is the consequences and, and so there's always it's kind of like our laws today if you look at our laws there's usually always a preamble who's making the law you know from this from the United States Congress, you know, and, and seeing that this was a problem or this happened, um, here's the law. And if you keep it, great, you're fine. If you break it, then you're going to go to jail for 20 years. It was the same thing that we do today in, in this, this covenant. But then finally, at the very end, the last kind of component is an oath. It's an oath. Not only God, but the people saying, all right, we're going to hear this. We're going to do this. Turn to Hebrews 9. All the way over in Hebrews 9. Listen to verse 19. It says, For when every command had been proclaimed by Moses to all the people according to law, he took the blood of the calves and goats, along with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll itself and all the people saying this is the blood of the covenant that God has ordained for you it was confirmed in blood you're going to see this over and over again you know, in fact the Bible says without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins and, and I want you to think about it for a minute go back to Adam Adam and Eve sinned they disobeyed God they said, we're naked, we hid from you. What did God do? You guys remember? He went and made clothes for them. How did he make clothes? There was a sacrifice. Abraham, the confirmation of that covenant and knowing that, okay, Abraham, you're the guy. This confirms, man, I'm, I'm going to bless you. He took his son up. Don't kill Isaac. But there still was a sacrifice. We'll see it again in the Davidic covenant, and we definitely see it in the new covenant because the ultimate sacrifice, the one that all these lead to, the picture that everything shows in the Old Testament is Jesus on the cross. Because what does he say in the last sup in the last meal when he's with the disciples? This is my blood. The new covenant. The new promise. The, the new deal. And, and so we see these components in the Mosaic Covenant. And so it's a lot, it looks like Abraham, even with Abraham, they split the animals, they put aside, and God walked in between, and Abraham didn't, remember? 
He said, you know, I do that so basically if I don't keep my word, if I don't keep this covenant, then this is what needs to happen to me. And so there's this idea that there's a, there's a price that has been paid for these covenants. There's a price that has been paid for for all of what we've done, our sin. You know, th- there's a great song out there. I like it. It's really cool and stuff. Uh, Mercy does it right now. Um, and it's all about grace. But there's a line in it that bugs me. It says, it's like you got away with something. You know, and there's just a little line in there. And it kind of just bugs me a little bit because I don't think we got away with anything. I think Christ paid the price. There's always a consequence um, for these covenants, for, for, for all of that. And, and so we, we see that. And so let, let's look. There's a little bit of difference here between the Mosaic Covenant and, and the Abrahamic Covenant. And there's some principles. Um, and we're going to spend most of our time really kind of right in here. And the first principle is this idea is that it's bilateral. It's not unconditional. Remember, Abraham's covenant, the covenant with Abraham, God's like, no matter what, all nations are going to be blessed. I'm going to fulfill this. Even though, like, you, you, you slept with Hagar and, 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 and you tried to get around it and stuff, or, or you did this, I'm going to make sure this happens. But in the Mosaic covenant, there's more of this idea that, okay, if you do this, then this is what's going to happen. It's still unconditional in the fact that God says, here's the standard. If you keep it, blessing. If you don't, curses. But there's more of an interaction where it's dependent on. It. You know, we had a little bit of that with Abraham. We talked about that last week with Abraham, that by faith he had to, that's where he received the blessing, that he stepped out in faith in it. It's the same thing, but it's in this one, the Mosaic Covenant, it's more of like, am I going to be obedient? Am I going to do it God's way or am I going to do it my way? And as you pr- have heard me probably say a thousand times, there's those are the only two ways we've got. We do it our way, it leads to bondage, it leads to, it leads to curse, it leads to pr- imprisonment. We do it God's way, it always leads to freedom, it leads to blessing and everything. And, and so we see that right here in, in the Mosaic Covenant, that it's not just like God says, okay, no matter what you do, I'm still, you know, I'll, I'll just turn my, I'll turn the other way, I won't pay attention. And I think that's a lot where we see the harshness in the Old Testament. A lot of people are like, God, man, God was mean when they did this. And all of a sudden, this many people died. And that person got leprosy and all that stuff. It was, I think, again, God just setting up a standard saying, like, there's a standard. And it's always been the standard. By the way, the Ten Commandments weren't new just to Moses. It had always been the standard. It's the standard. This is how we respond to God and work with God. And this is how we work with God. That was always the standard. It was perfect. What the Mosaic Covenant shows us is that we are unable to keep that now because we are no longer perfect, because we are no longer fallen. But even though it's bilater- bilateral and non-unconditional, it, nev- it didn't replace or modify. It didn't change the original covenant. That there was still going to be someone that came that was a blessing to all nations. There was someone that came that would, would be the sacrifice and save. It didn't change at all. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians 3, verse 17. Paul says this, My point is this, The law which came 430 years later does not invalidate a covenant previously established by God and thus cancel the promise. For if the inheritance is based on the law, it is no longer based on the promise, but God has graciously, graciously given it to Abraham 
through the promise. This covenant in no way changed God's original promise. That was still, it still happened. I mean, and if you know the history and you remember the stories, I mean, just read the book of Judges if you want to see the cycle of the Israelites, you know. Joshua standing up, I, I, I said that this morning, I, I mentioned that verse this morning about Joshua saying, choose you day, this day who you'll serve. You know, as for my house, we'll serve the Lord. Because they were excited. They just, they just conquered. They were in there. And it was 30 years later, and they were just forgetting God and doing whatever they want. And they were oppressed. And so God raises up a judge, frees them. They're good for 30 or 40 years, as long as that judge is alive. He dies, boom. Again, it goes back to, I think it all goes back to that thing, like, hey, you go talk to God for us. You, you, go, you go tell us what God is saying. And this is why it's so important. I think this is why so many people struggle in church today. Because they're letting someone else tell them when it's all right there for them to know themselves. But you see that cycle. But even though they were just continuing, to, uh, up to the point where God just finally, after Solomon, just said, I'm done. <laughs> you know, Babylonians are taking you. You guys come back, but you're never going to be the nation you were again until Christ returns for the second time. The northern tribes, you're gone. You don't even exist anymore. You got really stupid. But God still kept his promise. In no way nullified what, what that promise was, that original covenant that was still happening. But the other thing we need to see is there's a big difference between that covenant with Abraham. Remember, he says, I'm gonna, you're going to be a blessing all nations. There's going to be someone born, someone coming to you through your line that's going to bless and going to change everything. It's going to lead people to life. The Mosaic Covenant wasn't a way to life. It was a way of life. That's a huge difference. The law was not about, like, okay, if I keep all the law, then I'm going to have this perfect life. Because nobody could do it. It was a way of life. It was the standard that was still saying. And when Jesus showed up, he said, listen, we haven't gotten rid of any of the law. It's just now you know what grace is. Now you know that you can't accomplish that and you need only through the power of the spirit that's coming and going to enjoy you will you be able to do this and accomplish this. But the way of life has always been Jesus. It's not doing good things. What a statement to all those people and every other belief system on this planet that says, man, if I'm good enough and my good outweighs my bad, then, then I'll be all right. And, and there's still plenty of people that are kind of stuck in a very legalistic attitude in the church that says, okay, I've got to go to church, I've got to pray, I've got to wear a suit, I've got to wear a tie. Okay, I sing only these songs, I only read from this Bible. And there's boom, 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 this list. Well, that's not the way to life, that's just the way of life. That's, that's all the law ever was. It was how are you supposed to live? You know, and if you look at the Ten Commandments, it's very clear. Like, the first one says, how do I respond to God? You know, I am the Lord your God. You shall worship no other gods for me. You're not going to have idols. You're going to keep the Sabbath holy. But then it goes into how are we supposed to react and, and respond to each other? Don't covet. Don't steal. Don't lie. You know, don't murder. All those things. That's, that's how. And so it's always been this way, but it's always been a way of life. It's like the standard. This is how I should live. And it's obviously... Uh, it's actually how we were always supposed to live. That's why there was no law. There were no commandments in the garden because 
there was no knowledge of good and evil. There was no all that. There was just one way to live. And when we disobeyed that, we had to show that. And the other point is, is that the law, in a sense, was good. There's nothing bad in the law. There's nothing wrong with the lawgiver. The problem is, is those who were supposed to keep the law. That's where we have the problem. God never has anything for us that's bad for us. It, it's how we respond or how we become obedient. Uh, whatever comes our way, we may look at a circumstance and say, this, is, uh, this isn't any good. But if God is sovereign and he's ordained it and he's put it there, then it is good. It's, it's how we respond to it. The law was always good and the law, the law is still good. I don't base my salvation on the law. I base it on grace. I base it on what Christ did. But it's still a model and it's a, it's, it's a pattern of how I should still live. Worship the Lord your God with all your heart. Don't make idols. Don't put anything in front of him. Treat each other out of love and respect. I mean, that's how Jesus broke it down. He took all those laws, all the Ten Commandments and all the other laws and everything, and he broke it down to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. <coughs> And love others as yourself. That's what we're supposed to do. A and so, again, the Mosaic Covenant, it, it was good and it was a way of life. But the other thing is it was temporary. It was temporary. Turn to Jeremiah 31. And out of everything we've talked about tonight, this is the best news. In Jeremiah 31, starting at verse 31, it says, Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master, the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I mean, think about that. When Christ came, when he paid the price for sin, when, when, the, when the covenant was sealed in blood, when he was resurrected and he sent his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to indwell every believer, to every person. At that moment, God wrote his law upon our heart. It was no longer, hey, you go talk for us. Go tell us. It, it was on our heart. And not only that, because it's his spirit, not only would we know the law, we would be able to keep it. I, I think that's, that's John 14. If, if you ever read John 14, it, it's, it's become one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And, stuff, and it's that whole thing, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll do what I say and stuff. And, and Jesus talks about that. And like my disciples, you know, they do what I ask them to do. And it, it's, it's a striking contrast to like so many people that say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, but their life looks nothing like him. And so it's all that. But when I was growing up, I always thought it says, okay, that means I have to, okay, I got to make sure I pray and I read my Bible. And, I, and it was this checklist. 
And it wasn't until much, much later that I realized, and, and after like taking some classes and looking at the original language, that it says, no, actually that what that's saying is, if you love me, if you know me, you will have the ability to keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll want to keep my commandments. It'll be a desire of yours because you're in love with me, but not only that, you'll be able to do it. And that's that promise in Jeremiah. That the day was coming when the law would be written on our heart, that God's own spirit, his own presence would be with us, and that we would be able to keep that. And so anyone says, well, I'm not perfect, you know, I'm going to mess up. Well, yeah, but not all the time. I think there are moments that we can go through and we're like, man, I, I'm, I'm keeping the law, I, I'm doing all this, but it, it's become a heart issue more than just a, a um, good deeds issue. I mean, that's what happened to the rich young ruler. When you read in Mark and in Matthew, Jesus has this encounter with this rich young ruler, and he runs up, and he's like, you know, Master, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And I love that Jesus, you know, his, especially in Mark, he talks about, he's like, good master. He's like, well, why are you calling me good? There's only one that's good, and that's God. That's the Father. And it's almost like, do you understand who you're talking to? Do you have, did God reveal, did the Father reveal something to you that you know who you're talking to? And the guy was oblivious. And immediately he's like, well, you know, you know what Moses wrote in the law, you know, keep the commandments. And he starts going through this checklist in his head, going, yeah, okay, honor, I did this, I did that. Man, I have kept all this from my youth. I am, I'm there. And there's excitement and there's like all this stuff. And Jesus looks at him and says, okay, there's only one thing you lack. Get rid of everything else that's important to you other than me. Sell all your goods and come follow me. And at that moment, the whole situation changed because it was a heart issue. It, there's one thing about keeping the commandments because it's on a list or on a painting in my house, and I can go through and checklist. And there's another thing being able to complete it and stuff because I know Christ and God indwells me, and 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 I have a desire to where I don't want to put anything else before Him. That ruler left sad. It's the Bible actually says like he dropped his head and walked away because he was very wealthy. Because there was something that was more important. What the law always was for was to point us back to God. To help us realize, man, we blew it. We can't ever be good enough. We, we can't ever do this. Without you, without this new covenant, this, this isn't going to work. It, it, it doesn't happen. And so if I, I love, uh, you know, so many times... You know, having a message on sin and stuff, especially in youth ministry, I'd always have a kid like come up. I said, "Okay, I'm gonna put my hand right above your head. I want you just to jump up and hit my hand." And every time they're like, "Yo, I can do that. It's not a problem." I says, "No, but here's the standard. I want you to never lose contact with my hand." He's like, "Well, that's impossible." I said, "Well, that's that's the law. We may be able to hit it, be a good person, and do it every now and then." But the standard is that we never break a law. We, we never miss that mark. That always was the standard, and it still is the standard. And by the grace of God, we are able to do that through Christ. That's that whole verse. He became sin that knew no sin, that we would become the righteousness, that we would become his righteousness, not ours. And so the Mosaic Covenant is there, and so it doesn't change the Abrahamic covenant. It doesn't change anything, but it sets us up 
for the new covenant that's coming. And, and, and the Davidic covenant that's going to talk about, like, there will be someone that will rule and do all stuff. And I'm excited about that one um, that we talk about next week. But it's, it's that next step. First, there's going to be someone that comes. You're going to be a blessing. And I'm going to send someone. I'm, there's going to be someone that's going to restore, be here to give a way back to God. Okay, this is who I am, and this is the standard, the Mosaic Covenant, and this is what it is, and it, it's a way of life, and I want you to understand how much you need me. See, because even all those great patriarchs, they didn't keep it. Moses didn't keep it. He was disobedient. He didn't even get to go into the promised land. Which I always thought was like, man, that's just a bum deal. I mean, so he lost his temper a little bit. And the good news is that in the New Testament, Jesus goes to the Mount of Transfiguration, and there's two people with him, Moses and was Elijah. Where were they? They were in the promised land. God still kept his promise to Moses. One day he stood, he stood in the promised land. And so Moses messed up. You look at David. You look at all the judges. Oh, my gosh, read Samson. That guy was a moron. I mean, they... None of them could live up to it. Not even Abraham. All these great people that we read about in the Bible and say, man, if I could only be like that. I say, well, we're better than most of them. Unless you've murdered people, you're a constant liar, you're, you know, you're a con artist, you know, you've, you've done all kinds of, you, you're an adulterer, you've done all those things. You, you're better than most of them. Because the law doesn't save, it's the grace of God. It, it's, it's just a way of... And so that's what it shows. And I love John Piper, great preacher who's around today, great theologian. He says this, the new covenant is not a mere possibility. It is a new creation. It is something not merely that God proposes, but something that he accomplishes. It is the creation of a people for God who will not forsake him. And I, I love that, that, that God keeps his promise to us. And so we can look at the Mosaic Covenant. We can look at this process going through. And I'm, I'm finding it really, really interesting as, as I go through life that, you know, I'm, I'm learning new things about God all the time. And I'm so thankful that at the beginning of this journey, he didn't reveal it all. Could you imagine if right with Abraham, it's like, okay, here's the deal. You're going to have the thing. They're going to be 400 years saved. Here's, go ahead. Here's the law. And by the way, Jesus is kind of his name's Jesus. He'll be here, and there'll be Roman rule and everything. Could you imagine Abraham? He's like, I'm going back to Ur. <laughs> God reveals what he needs to reveal at the right time. And so he revealed what he needed to reveal to Abraham. 400 years later, he reveals even more about his character and who he is with Moses, the lawgiver. A few hundred years later, he reveals even more with David. Until we get to Christ where everything we need to know is revealed. And, and so that's why it's so important for, I think, for us to understand this process. This, this is the gospel. And it's such great news that most of the gospel is found in the Old Testament leading up to it. The fulfillment of it is when we get to Jesus. And then what happens with it throughout the books and the churches and everything. But but it's so important for us to understand that God reveals peace 
by peace. So the good news is not yes, the law is still there, but it's by grace you're saved, not by your works. It, it's his deal. But that standard is still there. Does that make sense? Any questions, thoughts, comments, concerns? Pretty straightforward tonight. It's just boom, boom, boom. This is this is what it is. Very law-like. So next week we'll be talking about the Davidic covenant um, and, and the promise of a ruler that's going to come and stuff. I love the idea that you know one day it's not going to be a democracy. It's not going to be anything. It's going to be a theocracy. How it was always supposed to be. God's in charge. And that's the way it always should have been. It's the way it always should be. It's the best way. And that comes from the Davidic comment, this promise that there will be a ruler coming that's going to take care of all of this. So let's pray.